Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. I am so excited today because I want to share with you someone who, well, he's got an avid interest in something that so many people do right now, and that is in the world of fantasy. He's an author of Four of a Kind, and that is a first in a series that's going to really bring insight into that genre. He's a United States Navy veteran, a former computer programmer, and he has extensive experience in construction, sales, and insurance. I think we've got a lot to talk about today, but we're going to talk a lot about fantasy. His education includes, well, as we, as he quotes, we're going to quote this, an entirely redundant amount of schooling in computers and electronics. And I think many of us, oh, I'm, I'm going to want to talk about that too, because I have a lot of redundant classes too. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Moving on from that. He's got four years of trade school, two bachelor's degrees, two years in, well, naval training, and he is just right there shy of receiving his third bachelor's degree. Of all of his accomplishments, the most dear and most endearing and dear to his heart is he is proud of his two wonderful children and his loving, supportive wife. I've got a, I just love that because that's what a, what a wonderful family. Oh, anyway, we're going to talk more. He's been reading avidly since, well, before he can remember. And he started writing about the third grade. And once he discovered Dungeon and Dragons, many of you can go back in this because this was really popular many, 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 many years ago. And I think it still is, but that's where he really focused. Well, and really narrowed his focus to fantasy. So I would like to bring him on the show so that you and I get to hear a whole lot more. Welcome to the show, Daniel Roy Lehman. Hi, thanks for having me. I am delighted to have you. You have got so much that I want to talk to you about, and I know that not all of it is going to really be able to be talked about today. So we're going to have to bring you back on, but let's just start with you got going with fantasy with Dungeons and Dragons. And a lot of people haven't heard about that or haven't heard about it in a long time. So can you give us a little bit of details here? A little bit of details regarding Dungeons and Dragons yeah. or using it to write fantasy. How about both? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, Dungeon Dungeons and Dragons is a, is a, tabletop game where you use uh little they're kind of like action figures miniature figurines to um basically mark your position on a map so that you can imagine with a group as you enter into a dungeon or fight a dragon or anything like that it helps your mind keep track of uh spatial recognition a lot easier oh, okay. um so that you can basically you have one person who's the dm they tell the story and everyone else's characters in that story and the dm walks you through that story but you as the character get to choose how you proceed so you might i might tell you that you see a dragon and you might decide to become friends with it and invite him over to tea or you might pull out your sword and go fight you any number of things could happen and i've always just enjoyed it because the possibilities are literally endless you could do any anything you can imagine you can do it in that game as long as your dm is okay with turning the story with the direction that you went and 
I use it mainly to get to know my characters a little better. Um, Cause I, I will make one of them as a D and D character and then play as them. Um, because if you think up a person and try and develop their entire personality, you can only come up with what you would do as that person in circumstances that you imagine, if that makes sense. Whereas if you're in somebody else's game, then anything they throw at you, you have to respond as your character would. I see. So there's role playing involved and DM for those of you listening who are not familiar with this, it is not direct message. It is dungeon master. Am I right? Yes. Sorry. My bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So has this carried over from a tabletop to an online or virtual reality type of game? Um, There's, there's quite a few um, attempts to make it into a video game or um, there's some on Xbox that come a little close, some on computer that come a little closer. Uh, but at, at the core of it, it's, it'll always be a tabletop game because programming, you have to account for every option. And as I mentioned in D&D, oh. there's infinite possibilities. So in none of those games, can you offer tea to the dragon and, and see what happens? Like, that makes whereas sense. in D&D, you could try. It might eat you anyway, but you could try. (laughs) Well, this is interesting. And so because of this, it really allowed your creativity to just unfold and you started writing. Yes, yes, definitely. But um, I I was writing beforehand. I never really knew that it was a thing that real people could do, if that makes sense. It it was something like, that's a celebrity thing. I knew... I knew I was reading K.A. Applegate. If you've heard of her, she writes, well, they, uh, it's a husband and wife. They write together a series for children called the Animorphs. They're meant for like middle school. I was reading them in kindergarten because I was, I couldn't get my hands on enough books. I was just tearing through it. And around third grade, when my teacher introduced me into creative writing, um, that's when things really picked up, but it was, for me, it was a hobby. It was never anything that I could actually do for a living. And I mean, in fairness, I still don't do it for a living. So I I do it. I'm a stay at home dad and I do it um, to get the story out there. I haven't made it enough to pay an electric bill, let alone anything like I'm not JK Rowling, (laughs) if that makes sense. I mean, are just sometimes where they bring so much more enjoyment than when you're getting paid for. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have to clock in. And I mean, there's all these restrictions and. Yeah, I do. I do get that a lot. I've, I'm in a couple of different authors groups and some of them uh, recommend certain changes to, um, to basically modify the story so that it appeals to a wider demographic it can and can earn me more sales and so on and so forth. And I just, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like I, yeah. I'd rather write a good story that might inspire someone else to write the way someone inspired me to write, if that I makes sense. That. I, I absolutely love that. Are you familiar with Write Nano more? I think it's right. 
Yes, right, yes. Nano Romo, yeah, <laughs> or something I, I, like I that. I always want to mess it up, but every year I get excited because I'm thinking I'm going to do this 30 day write a book novel challenge, and November comes and I end up not having the time to dedicate. And you really have to carve out so many hours a day to reach that goal. Same. And it's, you almost kind of want to go like, okay, I'm going to start now, but you can't do that. You gotta, you gotta be square on this because of <laughs> what they offer. Do you get involved with that? Um. The wife and I both tried to do it this year, um, but my my youngest is just over one year old. Um, she's not exactly the most cooperative when it comes to trying to write, <laughs> especially because I don't have the memory that, that some people do. Um, I'm very envious of their memories. Uh, so every time I go, I sit down to write, I have to read the entirety of what I've written. And then pick up from where I was. Understandable. So I, I totally understand that. The last part of the book is the hardest part for me to finish because I have to, in order to write the last chapter, I have to read the 30 that came before, if that makes sense. Well, I, I can understand that because when you have this fluidness going and you stop for a while, you're not sure if you're going to write something that you already said, or if you are completely off track and you've got to get back in the flow of where you wanted this, what direction that you wanted this to go in. Yeah. So I get it. I totally get it. So after that, when did you start getting your work out there? Um, I first, I, I started messing around on Reddit writing prompts um, probably five years ago, um, taking my characters and responding to random writing prompts and including my characters in it because I, I had only written this much of a story that was supposed to be this big and it, it made more sense to me to just put them out there in other people's ideas. Like if, if you've got a writing prompt oh. and now I know even one more way that my character might respond to something because I never thought of a scenario where they might fight vampires or something like that. And that's what the writing prompt you posted was. So here it is. Here's what it would look like if they fought vampires. So um, that was about five years ago. And then three years ago, I published with uh horrible publisher and have been trying to correct that mistake ever since and uh came across angelica um at pandora um and she she's been a godsend like she everything i thought i knew about writing is just gone out the window like and she's done more in weeks than my last publisher has done in years And I mean, the old cover for my book, my son drew it when he was 13. Um, And it was meant to be um, inspiration to a professional cover artist. Like, here's a picture of what the characters look like so that you can take them and make a professional, real fantasy cover kind of thing. And I love the picture. But at the end of the day, it's it's a picture that was drawn by a 13-year-old kid. He's and he was talented, but you don't look at it and go, "That's the next Lord of the Rings." You look at it and you think it might be a coloring book or maybe a manga or manga. I, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, 
but you don't look at it and go, that's, that's fantasy. That's what I want to read. And one thing I learned in this business is the reason the phrase don't judge a book by its cover exists is because that's exactly what people do. And I know. you, you could write the best book in the world. No one's going to pick it up if it's got a, if it's if, got a cover that doesn't match. Yeah. If their jacket, if that jacket doesn't appeal to them, they won't even pick it up. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's, that still holds true with digital media also, because it's the, it's that cover that really will sells inspire the them to download or not. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that I, I would want to do the same thing if my 13 year old were, had draw had, you know, had created something that um, I, I just, I would have wanted to do the same thing, but it's really interesting how the dynamics work in this industry. And it's, it's so difficult. And with the last couple of years and with the pandemic, there's been a lot of people that have been trying their hand at writing or mm-hmm. getting eBooks going and things like that. And so the competition can be a little bit more fierce on top of that. So um, it's really interesting. And I've got to tell you, when you go to Amazon and check out your book, The Four of a Kind, I mean, just wow. Yeah, I'm quite pleased with the reviews I've gotten so far. They're mm-hmm. low in number, but that's uh, so are my sales. So <laughs> so that's that's a byproduct of that. Cause I've sold in the three and a half years since I published, I've sold about 80 copies mm-hmm. and probably 50 of those were to family and friends. So it's, it's not like, uh, it's not like there's thousands of people who have read it. Most people have never heard of me and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Well, Um, this is the idea. We want our listeners and our viewers to be able to connect with you and see your writing because what you have shared from the whole journey, from when you started writing to, learning about fantasy, you've developed this creativeness that is really going to be able to help other people bring out their own as well. And those, those things actually change lives. They make a direction for someone go completely different than what is before. When you open up this creative side of you, you're able to see not only the things that you want to do to make life fun, but how you can get out of situations that you're not pleased with. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So there's a lot to this and it can really, like you, you were sharing with Dungeons and Dragons. There may be some people who go, okay, I'm not so sure that I understood that game before. And now I can take that in a whole new from a whole new perspective and apply what I heard today and say, even if it's not that, they might transfer that to some other role-playing game. But they'll be able to say, I can utilize uh, what Daniel did and begin to see some things and challenge myself in these different areas that just take on a whole new meaning to life. Creative Creativity, I think, has really been sort of squashed down for a long time. We are technologically advanced in a creative state, but it's almost sort of robotic in a way. But coming out with these different things that allow us to really, I mean, just like really stretch our imagination, that's where it's at. Yeah, that is one of the um, most difficult parts about it is that 
when I was programming, um, there's not really any creativity applied. It's kind of like building with Legos, if that makes sense. Every, <laughs> everything already exists and you can just reassemble it into a different shape, but it already is all there. Whereas as a fantasy writer, you can just decide that something is. You can just invent an entire race of people. You can invent their entire culture. I actually used my programming a little bit to write a program that helped me make languages for some of the races that will be introduced later on in the series so that I can at any point just type something in and learn what it would be in said language, if that makes sense. That is incredible. And thank you. I mean, your well-rounded experience takes you to that spot where you're able to take from this and create something here. And I mean, that's an, I, I don't know of anything like that. And if it's out there, I'm not familiar with it. This is (laughs) the first I'm hearing of something. There's a couple of programs that do something somewhat similar, but most of them cost, uh, thousands of dollars and thousands of dollars was outside of my price range. So I figured I, I know C plus plus, and this isn't that difficult. So I just typed it up because C plus plus, like it it really is Legos. Once you understand how a two by four piece works, you can set them up however you want and you can build the Eiffel tower. It's not hard if you know how to connect two Legos. (laughs) I love that. And that also gives some simplicity to some of the things that people may be afraid to try. If someone has been thinking about going into computer programming and they're thinking that's going to be too difficult. I think you just really simplified it. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those things that um, is a lot harder on paper. Um, Like from the outside looking in, programming looks to be like the one of the most difficult jobs in the world you have to talk to electric electricity and tell it what to go do (laughs) like that how does anyone do that but uh once you learn a little bit it it all builds to the point where you know today you're learning just a couple of key phrases and words and by next week you can look at a thousand page document and tell me what this program does. And that's fine. You can just do that because you paid attention to the three basic steps last week. If that makes sense. It does. And I think that this is really interesting and all of the things that you're doing, this is how life works. All of our experiences sort of culminate into something that we end up creating some, some ways, however it's shaped, like you're just talking about. And so I want to hear a little bit about your book. I don't want you to give away all the details because we definitely want the audience to go over and check it out, but give us a little bit of insight about what it's, what it's all about. Okay. Um, well, basically, um, it is, it's not set in any of D and D's worlds because, um, that's copyright infringement. Wizards of the Coast doesn't take yeah. kindly to that. Uh, so I made my own world and all that, but a lot of the mechanics of fantasy are the same. So it's kind of like Lord of the Rings in that matter, where magic users are generally boiled down into two types of magic users. There's sorcerers who have their spells as a talent. Um, it's not really anything they learned how to do. It's just an 
inborn thing. Um, so like, like mutants in X-Men or something like that, where you can just decide that's a fireball and it happens. Um, and then there's wizards like Harry Potter style where they go, they study how to do their spells and they cast them through this very specific line of reasoning and it creates this effect. And sorcerers are usually very good at a very small number of things uh, magically. Like they might be able to throw that fireball. A wizard might be able to turn it into ice or turn it into electricity and all of that. He can, he has a lot more variety at his fingertips, but he loses his potency um, for the thing that the sorcerer has a knack for. Um, the Akind try and fuse the best of both worlds so that they have a knack for whatever it is they put their mind to. Like if they see somebody else throw a fireball and go, I think I could do that. They put their mind to it and they can do that um, as though they were born with a talent for it. Okay. Um, and there's four of them, uh, hence the title. Um, there's four of them that basically take to being vigilantes to try and rid the world of all the wicked people, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, at least in a brief context. Uh, they try and take this advantage that they have and use it to change the world for the better. Uh-huh. This is neat because changing the world for the better. I love this. We don't hear so much about that. There's a lot of things in the climate that we're in that's just sort of pulling us down. So this is very refreshing to hear. And uh, so you're working on some things because this is going to be a series. Do you have any, and I don't know, maybe you don't want to share, but idea of how many uh, books are going to be in your series? I know there will, for a fact, be at least, let's see, six more. Um, because uh, I pulled basically every reader that I've been able to contact that isn't directly related to me or a friend beforehand. Um, Cause I wanted honest feedback sure. and friends or friends and family might very well tell you, Oh, it's, it's wonderful. I loved it, but do they actually mean it? So exactly, exactly. And uh, I mean, most writers suffer from at least a little bit of imposter syndrome. So where they don't feel like they're good enough. So Anytime someone who already knew me said, I loved it. It was great. There's always that. Are you just being nice? But I pulled everybody else that I could find. Um, and they wanted prequels um, first. They wanted a prequel for each of the four main characters. Okay. Um, because becoming in a kind is something that happens to you. You're not born in a kind. You have to undergo a very specific ritual. Um and they wanted to know basically what these people were up to before they became a kind. So not, um, not Ramak the, the a kind, Ramak the barbarian before he was granted this ability. If that. What, yeah. um, is there a time period or an era that this takes place in? Um, I do have a specific timeline, um, that I have mapped out for my stuff. Cause like I said, I don't have the best uh, memory when it comes to keeping track of exactly where I am in writing. So I have my own little time chart that I have set up. 
I try to specifically avoid um, referencing those timelines in the book because I that always made it harder for me to focus. So I don't know if I'm the only one like that. Like, and if you read Lord of the Rings and it says, you know, in 1106, the year of the foghorn leghorn, um, <laughs> yeah. this happened and that happened. And now at 1142, I, I have to go back and say, okay, so it's been, you know, six years, it's been 17 years. I, and it makes it hard for me to focus on the story. So That's I tried terrible. to stick with just the, this is what happened. That's, that's a good point. And I want to share that with the audience, because if there's anybody out there that struggles with certain things, you can still write, no, just really hone in on what you're able to focus on and go for that and stick by that. Don't try to go outside of what you think, or other than that, go outside and do what you might think somebody else wants or just do what you can focus on and allow your creativity to just really explode from that. This, that's a really good point that you share because so many people think I can't do this because I, I have a condition that I'm distracted easily and I just can't focus. And there's ways to combat that you can do things in increments or there's, different writing programs that are out there that can help with those types of things. And so I just want to share that because I like what you're saying in that I, I'm not going to focus on that. I've got this to do. I want to, I want to make sure that this gets out there. Yeah. And the, for those who do struggle with focusing on uh, just one thing, um, I am a lot like that. <laughs> I am a hundred percent very difficult to sit down and say, okay, now it is time to write a book. This is my day job. So here's eight hours of typing and here we go. It's beautiful. I, I can't, I can't do that. That's part of the reason I know that there's going to be at least six in the series is because I'm working on all six of them at once. If I get right. tired of this one, I can move over to this one. And if I get tired of that one, I can move over here and I, I can just, I can jump around as much as my brain needs me to jump around. I love it. Which is probably part of why I have memory issues, but <laughs> I love this. And it you is have what it such is. a supportive family with um, everything that you've got going on. Your wife is very supportive of what you are doing. Definitely. My wife and my aunt have been two of my uh, biggest supporters throughout the entire thing. My, my wife read the book, closed it and said, you need to go get to work on the next one. I need to know what happens. Um, you can go ahead and leave your job so that you have more time to write and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's like, okay. That's fantastic. My, my aunt, uh, she, she was one of the first people in line to buy it. And then um, I've had one book signing. She showed up to that too and got signed copies as well as if I wouldn't sign them for my own aunt <laughs> without her having to come to an event. But I think it was about neat, it was about the support though. So yes, yes, I absolutely think that's neat. Do you have any yeah. other book sign signings, or are you going to be going on tour or anything I like that? I do not have anything scheduled at the moment. Um, I pretty much at this point. Like I said, Angelica has been a godsend. Uh, I do what she tells me. <laughs> if she tells me I have a, uh, a book signing next week, then I have a book signing next week. Uh, in the meantime, I write and hang out with my daughter. I, I absolutely love this. So if anyone in the audience 
would like to connect with you and grab a copy of the book, I'd like you to share one where to get a copy of the book. Second is how to connect with you so that they can stay abreast of everything that you've got going on. Okay. Um, I have a couple of different uh, avenues. Um, Twitter, I, uh, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at social media. <laughs> so Angelica set everything up for me. Um, but Twitter, I have at Daniel Roy Lema one, um, L-E-H-M-A, and then the number one. Uh, Pinterest is Daniel Roy Lehman. Instagram is Daniel Roy Lehman. Buy me a coffee is buymeacoffee.com slash D Lehman and Patreon or Patreon. Um, we're just talking about some of the new uh, prizes and offers we'd be able to do on that. Um, but that one's uh, patreon.com slash four of a kind. And then the book specific one is just at four of a kind for Twitter. I love and it four of a kind for Pinterest or Instagram. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to see what's coming next and some of the, the things that you're going to be doing with that, especially with the language and how, I don't know if that'll be interactive. I'm excited to see where you're going with this. And I want to thank <laughs> you so much for taking some time out today to share that with us. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I love it. We're going to have to talk some more. And so anyway, um, I'll be excited to have you back, but again, thank you so much. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of Rebecca sounds Reveille. I love when we have some things that allow you to start thinking outside the box and be creative and use your imagination because those things are actually going to change the direction of some things that are going on in your life right now. So this is really exciting. Thanks for tuning in today. Please share this with all of your family, friends, your loved ones, everybody on social media that you know, and everybody that you don't. Thanks for watching.